0: Xbox on. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news, kinda, for the week of March 26, 2020, including Valve Speaks Up on some old Left 4 Dead 3 rumors, basically shooting down any promise of that game ever coming out. And we have some other smaller stories as well, but really for this week, since it's just such an unprecedentedly slow week due to, of course, coronavirus, I figured we'd just kind of get these small news stories out of the way real quick, and then do more topical show and and discuss some subject regarding Xbox Uh, and I want to talk about a lot of games I've been playing since I had a lot of time to game this past week uh, being off work so yeah I want to talk a little more about some of the more failed or I guess more forgotten Xbox One exclusive games that came out this generation and and get into some detail on some of those and maybe solicit some feedback from you guys listening so let's just jump into this week's episode We'll, we'll do some of our normal stuff and then do something a little bit different. of Xbox first-party games. Of course, we had to make a huge mention that this week, Bleeding Edge came out. So, congrats to the team at Ninja Theory for their brand-new game. This is kind of an exciting week, or I feel like I want to be more excited than I am, uh, because just the promise of a new Xbox exclusive makes me, you know... Just like last week when we got Ori and the Will of the Wisp, I want to be excited, but I also know I'm probably just not going to play this game. It's just not for me, so that's uh, a little disappointing. But nonetheless, if you were looking forward to this, I hope you are enjoying the hell out of Bleeding Edge. Actually, speaking of Ori in the Will of the I was planning on getting to that, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I might actually play that game. First, let's do our comments, shout outs uh, from the audience uh, from last week's episode, our first one this week. So those of you that normally write in, Gave a lot of great feedback um, in regards to my kind of botched interpretation of the Xbox Series X PS5 specs comparison from last week. And I'm glad that we finally have all these specs from both consoles out in the wild because now we can stop talking about the consoles themselves so much or maybe start focusing more on the games, which is what I'm much more apt to discuss. Uh, but none, nonetheless, let's get into some some of those feedback questions or, or comments real quick. First one from Dead Captain James. He says, "From someone who also games on PC, the Series X is an absolute beast. The gap between Series X and PS5 is larger than the Pro and the X. I think we will most definitely see uh, major differences in third-party games of the two. But yeah, PlayStation first-party games will look amazing. The main difference is that Series X will have much better frame rates and will not drop as many frames. But the PS5 will load games about five to six seconds faster than the Series X." So yeah, this is what this is what I was trying I guess kind of trying to get at was I understand the Series X is, you know, a more powerful console, but I wonder if developers are really going to take advantage of making a game just look so much better on the Series X compared to the PS5 version, but we'll get into that in a little more detail in a minute. I just can't imagine that the PS5 won't run games at like a solid 60 all the time, it's it's really powerful. The PS5 is a really powerful device, so obviously it's gonna be having no issue running games locked at 60, but I guess that's really not gonna be the conversation this generation, it's gonna be, we're gonna start talking more about running games at like 90 frames per second, 120 frames. I don't know. I guess we're just going to be pushing that even further. And I guess that's where you'll see the Xbox Series X be able to to handle more powers is by locking in those even higher frame rates uh, a little more steady um, than the PS5, which I don't doubt that will be the case. But I, I'm just also saying I, I don't think people should underestimate the, the SSD that Sony's been working on because I think that's also going to be a really cool part of the story. Although, yeah, I'm, I'm also in that camp where I'd, I'd vastly prefer the more powerful console than the slightly faster loading time. I just think that we really can't be sure as to which ones, Just like, we can't really be sure that one is, like, significantly worse than the other until we both really used them. I guess that's why I'm so hesitant to just jump on the Xbox Series X is the greatest, even though I think on paper it sounds a lot better. So then my brother writes in uh, saying that something that isn't being mentioned enough is that the PS5 comes with less storage than the Series X. Games like Halo 5 are already pushing 100 gigabytes. The idea that the PS5 has less storage uh, than the then the regular model of the PS4 is a little concerning. I doubt I'm the only one who hates deleting one game to download another. And while this is a really valid concern on paper, and I understand a lot of people were bringing this up, I feel like in the at least the YouTube comments I was reading um, after that Mark Cerny presentation, well, the, th- the thing is, I just you got to keep in mind, Sony even mentions in that presentation, if you were awake enough to, to to listen to this, it was kind of buried in the middle there. But they say that basically the, the way the file compression system works on their solid-state drive allows for file sizes to be significantly smaller than they would be on, say, like a PS4 um, hard drive. So, so basically, a game that... Hypothetically, I should say, a a game that took like 100 gigabytes on PS4, you know, might be able they might be able to compress those files or get it down to like a 60 or 70 or an 80 gigabyte game. You know, maybe maybe something that's substantially better, but better enough that, you know, you're making up the difference in the. 100 and whatever or the 200 gigabytes that the ps5 won't have over the series x so maybe i guess what i'm trying to say is maybe that 825 gigabyte um, ssd in the ps5 might go a little further than we're expecting and also remember when the ps4 and the xbox one came out they came with 500 gigabyte hard drives not terabyte hard drives i know all the new like slims and series x or the one Xs and this and S models and all all these newer versions of PS4 and, and Xbox One all have like one to two terabytes, but that was not the case uh, when these consoles first launched. They both launched out the gate with like almost no storage on it, 500 gigs. I remember my my day one Xbox One had 500 gigs and I blew through it like it was absolutely nothing. So I assume no matter which console you get, the amount of storage on them isn't enough. But yeah, I mean it's it, it is worth noting that the Series X has more storage, but I think. We again, it's one of these things we had to see. Like, let's let's see what the file sizes are like with the added, you know, compression capabilities of of the SSD before we really go and say, you know, oh shit, 825 gigabytes compared to one terabyte on the Series X. You know, who, who knows? Well, but I mean, obviously, more storage is more storage. So that is that is a win at least on you know in that regard for Xbox. And then our last comment comes from Lethal Migraine. I got a couple comments regarding this topic. I just chose his comment, um, but. He, he says, I'm gonna disagree with you on making games to the lowest denominator of this generation. They've never been more like a PC. It's my opinion that they will program for top specs just like PC. So this is something I'm a little hesitant to say what I'm about to say, cause it's gonna sound like I'm trying to like give myself a pass, but it's like, I feel like a few weeks ago I said this, that like it won't be the same way it's always been in previous console generations. And now we'll be able to spec you know spec different skews of games depending on the hardware because game development and console architecture is just so similar to that of a pc now but then i kind of backpedaled and, and and walked all over my myself last week when i said that um xbox series x games won't always look that much better because they're always going to they're always going to develop for the lowest common denominator which will be the least powerful console so i get i guess i kind of Contradicted myself there by saying that again. I'm just not a really big tech person, and and my thoughts in regards to this kind of stuff is just kind of all over the place because I don't I don't have you know the insight to really make these confident judgments. Um, this is just based on my limited knowledge and. In my interpretation, but yeah, I, th- I think lethal migraine and and to the others who wrote in with similar comments like this, I think you are right that you're it probably is going to be that they can spec it a little differently for each SKU because it's just because it's just like PC, so you'll be able to go into like the game settings on your Series X and and maybe like adjust like the graphic settings or something like that like you would on a PC game, so. That is an exciting advantage for the Xbox Series X. Again, it's I just try really hard. You know, I don't mind. If someone wants to call me an Xbox fanboy, that's totally fine. That doesn't offend me in any way, and it's probably true to a certain extent. I, I vastly prefer Microsoft's gaming brand over Sony's or Nintendo's for sure. But at the same time, it's important to me to just try and not be blindly favoring one over the other. I like to try and find ways to be critical of, of Microsoft and Xbox when I can and be... Um, Favoring and, and kind to Nintendo and Sony when I can because I think it really waters down your opinions and in your arguments when you're just always praising the one you like and always shitting on the one you don't like. So I just think I just think it's a really important thing to try and be critical and not and try to not always just be like on the winning team. You know, it's right now it's a really easy moment for Xbox fans to feel like they have a win. You know, the Xbox One was a generation of a lot of a lot of losing a lot of shit especially those earlier years it was a lot of like people making fun of anyone who bought an xbox because it just seemed like the dumb console it seemed like microsoft dropped the ball so hard on it why would anyone buy it and so there was a lot of the xbox one was a a console of like testing like the brand loyalty for xbox fans because from especially like 2013 2014 it just seemed like you know the xbox was just such a stupid console to people who weren't really into it you know for just more general gamers it was just like ps4 was the de facto way to go but i think now this is like kind of over the years of course phil spencer's really been rebuilding the brand in midair and in kind of changing the optics around xbox and really making it the most in my opinion the most user friendly the most um the most fan supported kind of console out there it's just they they really really cater to their audience and they really listen and they really make in my opinion, the best software, the best services, the best console. But again, it's just, this is the first time, you know, with this new console generation that Xbox fans are kind of in this position where we just have what is optically the cooler or the better console or the the better position over the kind of PlayStation brand. And I don't want to use that as an excuse to be like, fuck you, Sony, Microsoft's awesome, so... I just think fanboy console war stuff is just stupid in general, and I just want to be as neutral about that as possible. But, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to... My, my brother and I kind of had a conversation. He kind of playfully got on to me a little bit about being too too easy on Sony after really botching last week's presentation and maybe being a little... Maybe not giving Microsoft enough credit for what they've, what they've done with the Xbox Series X. So, And to some extent, he is right. I mean, the Series X, it just looks like a, a beast of a console. It looks fantastic, but... Again, until until we can really see benchmarks of these consoles and see games playing on them, next generation games, I'm just trying to reserve my judgment a little bit and be a little more impartial until you know we just have more information. Um, but believe me, the second we see Halo Infinite running on an Xbox Series X, I'm gonna rip my pants off and run through the streets and, and just cry tears of joy because that is literally all I'm all I have left in this world. So that's don't don't lose hope. I promise you, I'm still an X bot after all. Alright, that was a kind of long and obnoxious intro and an early part of the show, but let's jump into some more of our normal stuff so we can get into our topic conversation. Um, what I've been eating, I'll be really honest, I was on lockdown this whole past week. I've been eating a lot of like home-cooked food and, and, and shit, so nothing exciting, to say the least. But I did have some Ben & Jerry's ice cream, and, and just a quick shout-out to Ben & Jerry's. They, they, are the, they are the definitive grocery store brand ice cream i know there are ben and jerry's stores that you can go to but they're few and far between i'm I'm, I'm gonna let you know right now ben and jerry's ice cream when you go to the grocery store and you have the option between your briars and your eddies and all these other brands of ice cream that you can buy i just want to be honest with you you're a fucking idiot if you if you if you gloss over ben and jerry's if you go oh no thanks i i prefer skinny cow i prefer blue bunny what the fuck is wrong with you I know Ben and Jerry's is like super expensive and you only get a pint, but like it's worth the money. Just get the Ben and Jerry's. So shout out to Ben and Jerry's, shout out to Fish Food, it's an incredible ice cream flavor. But yeah, let's let's not dwell too much on food. What I've been playing this week, well, like I said, I was off this whole past week. I'm actually back at work now, which is ironic because this virus has gotten way worse. But I'm now in a position where my my job has been considered essential business. So I can't I can't get out of work. I have to go to an airport and work where uh, at a place where everyone's getting coronavirus on a daily basis. So, pray for me. But yeah, last week while I was off, I played Red Dead Redemption 2. I remember I said I was going to try to get through it all last week since I was off work. And I actually managed to do just that. In fact, I had the game beat by like Saturday. So, I had some extra time to kill and I started playing ReCore, which we'll get into in a minute. But yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, just real quick, final thoughts on that. That game is way better than I thought it'd be. I, I was so intimidated by Red Dead because... I've heard so many things about, you know, how slow it was and how boring it gets kind of later in the game. And I kept waiting. I got to like the 25 hour, the 35 hour mark. And I was just like, where is that part where it just gets? Oh, my God, this game is just dragging. I hate it. And I think I know where it was for me. And I don't think this is much of a spoiler. So I'm just going to say there's the part where you play on an island where, you know, this takes place on an island. And I thought that was going to be. I will be honest. I hate that part of the game. But I was fearing that would be like a five to seven hour chunk of the game and that I was going to just like probably give up during it. But it's actually, I think all in all, that part of the game is like an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. It's like really short. You just blast right through and then you're back into the good stuff. I mean, so while I definitely think that part of the game is completely unnecessary, even narratively, I think they should have cut it. And in general, I think this game has a little bit of fat here and there. You could have cut there some smaller story arcs that I really don't think serve the overall narrative that well. And that it would have been a slightly better experience had they just, you know, pared it down a bit um but overall i think red dead redemption 2 is is phenomenal i think there is a lot of slow-paced storytelling and in most games i would i would count that as a con but in this game it just works so well and i don't don't really know how to explain it it's just rockstar really i don't know they created something really special with this game where the slow nature and the kind of uh just the minutia of the game that they put so much emphasis on actually really just congeals and works well together and and makes the game feel so much more immersive, makes the story so engaging. And uh, there's just a lot of things about Red Dead that I can praise that normally in a game I wouldn't praise. And it's things like, you know, having to eat and sleep to keep up your stamina on your health and take care of your horse and and just all the kind of little stupid details like you can help some guy who's being robbed in the middle of nowhere and then you walk into town and see him in a store and he suddenly remembers you and it's just like all these little things that sorry my alarm went off it's just all these stupid little things that that shouldn't mean much end up really adding up and just making the game so immersive making the world feel so alive and it just ser- everything just serves the narrative so well and the story is Phenomenal! I really, really love the story. Aside from you know that part where you're on the island or like the uh, Romeo and Juliet-esque little side quest, which I thought was a little unnecessary, the game is is really, really fantastic. The ending is incredible. The and and then the other thing is the epilogue, which is like seven hours long after you beat the game is basically just like a massive expansion pack that instead of holding for a few months to a year and then releasing later for pay, for like paid DLC, they just, throw, they just tack it on to the end there. Like Rockstar could have easily chopped off the last five to seven hours of the game, held it for like eight months to a year, and then be like, here's your massive single-player story, uh, expansion for Red Dead redemption 2 and people would have bought it and gone nuts for it you could have sold it for 20 30 bucks it's great um, but they just no, they just throw it onto the end and that's it's one of those things that's like only Rockstar can do that only when you have the time and the money and the manpower and the creativity that a studio like Rockstar has can you do something like that and it's just it's it's one of the most special games I've played this generation. I'm trying to like retroactively figure out... You know, It came out in 2018. I'm trying to figure out if it was maybe the best game of 2018. And I think, think it maybe was. And 2018 was a great year. We had Spider-Man. We had God of War. We had Red Dead Redemption. And the other game I like a lot that isn't in the caliber of those three games um, was actually Starlink Battle for Atlas, which a lot of people didn't play. And it's kind of a shame because that game was really, really fun. But that was one of my favorite games of 2018 as well. But I think Red Dead Redemption 2 tops them all including God of War it's just it's one of those games where it's like for like the next two days or so after I beat the game I I just felt so into that world where like you know playing the next game kind of felt like cheating on Red Dead watching a different movie or a TV show or just doing anything else getting outside of that world of Red Dead Redemption 2 just kind of felt like you know unnatural it's always I I don't know it's always a special feeling when you watch a movie read a book play a game where you were so engrossed in the characters and the story and the world that that when you walk out you're kinda of sad that you're not in it anymore and you feel like, you know, that like detachment from from that that world that you were enjoying, those characters that you were so invested in. And it's really rare that I mean anything, but especially video game really makes me feel that way. In Red Dead Redemption Two actually made me feel that way. I jumped into ReCore like the next day after beating Red Dead. And I was just like, this is this feels sad. I miss I, I miss Arthur <laughs> and I miss uh I miss Dutch and I miss all those characters and all that that narrative that I was working on. And it's just it's a really, really special game. I, my, my end time clocked in at 55 hours. Aside from a couple missions here or there, I think the game never lost my interest, and I was really anticipating for that to be the case, but it just never happened, and I'm really glad I just sat down and buckled through it. And honestly, I think I, I enjoyed it. I experienced it the way that was best for someone like me, which is being able to just sit down and play through the whole game. So if you haven't played Red Dead... I really think it's worth the the time. There aren't many games where I would recommend just sitting through and pushing through all the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. But this is a game just worth sitting through no matter what, no matter how long it is, because it really is probably the most like next generation game this generation has felt for me. And uh, I'm really, really glad I experienced it. But the other game I played this week was Recore. And this ReCore is kind of going to be the center of our, our topic discussion after the news. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I have some things to say about that and just Xbox first party games in general. Uh, so let's just really quickly go through these tiny news stories we got now that we're 20 minutes into the show. All right. Our first story is from IGN. And it is in regards to GameStop. So at the time of this recording, GameStop is no longer accepting walk-in business in the U.S. and has closed all of its stores amid coronavirus concerns. However, gamers who still refuse to accept the 21st century and download all their games digitally can still get in on the physical retail action as GameStop has rolled out a curbside delivery option for those who purchase and process their orders online and then opt for, to pick up curbside. No word as of yet for when the retailer will reopen at full capacity, but honestly, who gives a shit? Again, like I said, these are the kinds of stories we have to work with this week so yeah GameStop's pretty much closed right now you have a curbside option and I guess the only reason this is a real consequence a real note is because a few days ago GameStop was trying to self-label as an essential business saying that you know they were going to force their their managers and everything to keep the stores open um, during the coronavirus because I guess they're fucking awful but the real reason was because they really can't afford to be closed in a time like now but basically after you know California went on lockdown and all that shit you they were essentially forced to just close the doors. So GameStop, bye-bye. Um, and I guess the, the bigger concern to this is because, you know, with coronavirus, obviously, we don't know if this is going to be two more weeks, a month, two months, how long all this shit's really going to last. This more devastating stuff and GameStop's kind of on that list of companies. It's like, I don't know that you can afford to be closed right now. You know, I don't know that there will be a GameStop if they have to close their doors for two to th- four months or something like that. So this is just uh, it's definitely one to keep our eyes on. But thank God that all those GameStop employees, except I guess the curbside employees now which is probably just going to be store managers can now can now uh, go home and, and get away from all those greasy naruto fans that were probably going to spread germs like wildfire anyway and then our next story also coming from IGN all about Left 4 Dead 3 this is this is my a big one today. So, rumors of a sequel to Valve's most beloved games have been circulating for years, especially in regards to the greatest zombie franchise of all time, Left 4 Dead. In this month's episode of IGN Unfiltered a podcast, hosted by Ryan McCaffrey, Chris Remo, and Robin Walker from Valve, sat down to talk about Half-Life, Alex, Portal VR, Left 4 Dead 3, and more. The official Valve statement on the Left 4 Dead rumor said, quote, We did briefly explore some Left 4 Dead next gen opportunities a few years ago, but we are absolutely not working on any Left 4 Dead related content now and had not been for years. End quote. What the team at Valve was experimenting with was Source 2. And Valve's Robin Walker explained how it happened. He says, quote, We used parts of Left 4 Dead levels and the first bit of level geometry to start building in Source 2. So a bit of that got out. It was essentially a rendering test, and people thought that it meant that we were working on Left 4 Dead, end quote. Unfortunately, Left 4 Dead fans, that wasn't the case. Walker continues with quote, We built lots of different things as part of building technology in Source 2. There were groups here who would generate product in mind and would attempt to be a target for Source 2. And so a couple of those were Left 4 Dead related things, but none of them reached the point where we were like, hey, now we have a product um, that our team with our team that were going to build a a bigger product around a game around. They were just more tools for moving Source 2 forward, end quote. So perhaps the most troubling pandemic news of 2020 has nothing to do with our inability to control the new coronavirus, but rather our inability to bring back the once great zombie infection. So this is a little... I guess the reason why this is important is because these Left 4 Dead rumors have been floating forever. And I'm just... Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a massive Left 4 Dead fan. I think those first two Left 4 Dead games are some of the most special games from last generation. And I greatly lament the fact that, you know, Valve owns that IP because that just means we'll never get another one. But this this is kind of nice just to know that finally it's like... Valve's one of those those companies where if they say something's not coming, I believe them. You know, just look at look at Half Life Three. If they say there's no Half Life Three, there's no Half Life Three. And we and we know that now. So if they say there's no Left 4 Dead 3, they're being tr- pretty transparent, and uh, that's something to take pretty seriously because that's they, they mean what they mean. And I guess why this matters so much is because it seems like for almost a decade now, we've just been hearing rumors about Left 4 Dead 3, left and right, just every once a year or so. They just pop up, and people, people data mine, and they find this information, and I guess that's what they're kind of getting at here was... People data mined and found out all this information, but it was actually about Source 2. We were using assets and things from Left 4 Dead to kind of work with Source 2, and it wasn't actually Left 4 Dead like a new game. So it's it's nice to have that kind of confirmed answer, but this is really disheartening as someone who's hoping that maybe someday we get a Left 4 Dead 3. But if you're Valve and you uh, you make all this money off off Steam and Dota and all this other stupid shit that real people don't care about, then then I understand why you know you're not looking for that tiny money with Left 4 Dead 3. They're always they're always looking to do something different so that's that's unfortunate but the good news is Turtle Rock Studios the um the team behind the original Left 4 Dead is currently making a kind of spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead called I think it's called Back for Blood so we can look forward to that in the coming years but yeah it's just uh it's just unfortunate to see that Left 4 Dead is no more essentially but you know don't be surprised if they try to bring back all these old IPs in the form of like a VR game maybe maybe we'll get some Left 4 Dead VR game I I'd, I'd be down for that I'm I think Half-Life Alyx looks fantastic, although I don't have a PC that can use VR and I don't plan on buying a VR unit anytime soon, so I won't be playing it, but I don't know. I, I just, I miss you left for dead. Alright, our wrap-up story before we get to our tinier news stories is that Microsoft has released a video this week showing off a concept controller that was designed for a mobile device for mobile devices and tablets. The patent for the device was filed last year but work on the concept took place somewhere back in the 2012 to 2014 era, which was a simpler time where Windows Phones, Halo 4, and The Last Remains of My Innocence took place. While there's no certain way of knowing if this device is currently in the works, it can't be ignored as the video was shared by Microsoft directly just this week. The controller, which looks like a rough 3D printing of a tiny Xbox 360 gamepad is, a de- is detachable a la the Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons and can attach to different parts of the varying phones or tablets they work with, making it highly compatible. Each side of the controller features its own battery pack. The setup is similar to the concept of the Nintendo uh, Switch Joy-Cons, but it was probably developed back in the days of the Wii U and looks to be compatible with a larger array of devices. Either way, it's nice to see Microsoft in some form or fashion thinking about alternate control setups for mobile gaming, especially as Project X Cloud becomes a more prominent part of the Xbox experience as a whole. Yeah, so this is really weird. It looks kind of like a clay 3D printed tiny 360 controller with like a Joy-Con grip thing, and they can remove the size of the controller and like tack it on to like an iPhone, an Android phone, an iPad, whatever you want. Basically just anything. A Microsoft Surface device and and via Bluetooth connection, just have an Xbox-esque controller on your tablet or, or, or smartphone. The reason why this is important is because it's nice to know that Microsoft is still thinking of alternate solutions for controllers when it comes to mobile gaming. Because for as good as Project xCloud is, and this was one of my concerns when I, when I talked about it more extensively a while back after using it, is that you know, the Xbox controller and then a clip that attaches your controller to your phone is a usable setup, but it's not the most portable, and it's not the most elegant. If anything, it feels like a temporary kind of patch for how to play games with uh, with xCloud and, and, and a real controller. Obviously, touch controllers, like touchscreen controllers, are, are really ass, and that's not, I don't think, what Microsoft is, is hoping that people will start using to play Project xCloud games. In fact that's not even an option right now. So they are exploring other controller options, but it's just, it's really hard to figure out kind of what an elegant solution to this is, but it's good to know Microsoft is still considering other things. Um, For example, my personal daily phone is a Razer Phone 2 right now, and Razer makes this really awesome controller called the Jungle Cat. Basically, it's like, a phone case you put on your Razer phone too it also works with like the Samsung Galaxy S9 or the Note 9 or something like that it it works on a couple phones but but basically you put this case on and then on the sides of it it has these rails for like Joy-Cons and then it comes with these two like basically looks like Razer's version of Nintendo Switch Joy-Cons and you slide them onto the side of your Razer phone or your or your Samsung phone and you just attach them via Bluetooth and it it basically turns your Razer phone or your or your Samsung Galaxy into a Nintendo Switch looking phone and then you can use those controllers with x cloud that's something i'm really interested in buying i think it's way too overpriced which is why i haven't pulled the trigger on it but i think that's an incredibly good solution to x cloud gaming and and someday i plan on buying those if i can ever find them for cheap Uh, i think that's probably the best solution i've seen so far for for controllers on a mobile device, better better than connecting an Xbox controller with the with the phone clip uh, because it's just more portable. Better than any of those like third-party controllers, which are almost always ass. But still, kind of an imperfect solution because obviously that only works for certain phones, and it's just it's a very expensive solution. So. I think this is the tricky part that Microsoft's facing right now, especially with XCloud, is how do we find a really solid controller to work with mobile devices that's also really discreet and portable so that, you know, maybe it's something you could slip in your pocket, maybe it's something you can fit in a small bag. I really don't like the idea. Like I I've thought about this, like if coronavirus wasn't a thing right now, I would bring an Xbox controller with me to work every day because I work in an airport and so I could just take an hour break, sit in like the middle of the airport on a chair and just play xbox for an hour right but i don't really like the idea of lugging around an xbox controller like a full 60 dollars controller it just feels weird it's too big it's too bulky in my bag i don't like it being exposed to all like the outdoor contaminants it just doesn't feel right to me i, d- I don't want to do that so i think something along the lines of like a nintendo switch Joy-Con setup is the way to go but this is just something we've seen, not just Microsoft, but other like third-party controller manufacturers struggle with forever, which is figuring out an elegant solution to controllers with phone devices. And I don't know what the solution is, but I think it is something along the lines of what Microsoft was working on here, which is detachable controllers that click onto the sides or Nintendo Switch-esque, um, something like that, Joy-Con things. But yeah, hopefully this this is a window into what Microsoft is working on. And soon enough, we'll get like a first-party controller for phones and tablets uh, that's really robust and feels really good in the hands um, designed specifically for xCloud um, so that's going to do it for all of our big stories this week that was I guess the biggest one that's the one I talked about the most but here are some quick little tidbit not really new stories Ghost Recon Breakpoint has gotten its first has now gotten its March 2020 episode 2 update which includes new missions classes modes and possibly some more IGN reports that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 from 2009 seems to be getting a remaster as a rating for the game has appeared on the South Korean Ratings Board website. No platform or release date has been listed, but we'll keep an eye on the story as it continues to develop. On March 31st, Gears 5 players can look forward to the Operation 3 Gridiron update, which brings new maps and characters. And then Windows Central reports that the Star Wars Battlefront 2 Scarif update has been pushed back to mid-April due to the team at DICE now having to work from home. Of course, that is due to Corona, and that's going to do it for all the news. Real quick, our new game releases, or I guess we'll save the game releases in Games of Gold to the end of the conversation, but let's jump into the, our kind of topic this week, which is I want to talk about some of the lesser known Xbox One first-party games, and some of the ones, you know, that got less attention, but maybe deservedly so, maybe not so much. So, obviously, you know, the Xbox One has some pretty notable exclusives. You got your Forza games, you got your Halo games, you got your Gears games, and even something like Sea of Thieves, I think, is... Even though it didn't, like, light the world on fire, it does pretty well, it makes good money, it has a pretty dedicated audience and player base, and I'm, I'm pretty sure most gamers, you can ask, hey, do you know what Sea of Thieves is? And they'd be like, oh yeah, it's that, that pirate game for Xbox... I think most people know a game like Sea of Thieves is. But once you start getting into some exclusives like Quantum Break, that one's kind of pushing the line a bit. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe more people would know that one, maybe not. Once you get into a game like ReCore or Super Lucky Tail or any of these kinds of games, which I know Super Lucky Tail is now on Switch, but it's it's kind of like an Xbox game. You just get into this territory of like, there are a lot of Xbox One exclusives that I feel kind of flew under the radar. And, you know, I'm not going to say these games are on the same tier as like Uncharted 4, God of War, Spider-Man. Uh, on the ps4 side but in general it feels like a lot of people remember all the ps4 exclusives of this past generation the only one that maybe kind of flies under the radar would be something like would be something like um the order 1886 or whatever that game was called or something like that but for the most part maybe Killzone shadowfall but for the most part if it's a ps4 exclusive it, it seems like people remember them people take note and if you ask someone to, like, list all the most important Sony exclusives for the PS4, people would be able to list them all out for you. Even the second-party exclusives like uh, like Bloodborne or, um, what's that, Quantic Dreams game? What was that called? Detroit Become Human? Anyway, so th- the point is I just want to kind of talk about some of these Xbox games because I've been making it, you know, as we get closer to the launch of the Series X. I'm trying to have more of these thoughts and talks in regards to... The Xbox One as a generation and kind of these sunset ideas of things I want to remember and, and just fixate more on before this generation kind of wraps up and we're on to the new thing. And and this is one one topic regarding the Xbox One that I feel like doesn't get suggested or, or, or discussed enough. Um, even on like... Like, I used to listen to IGN's podcast Unlocked a lot. I kind of listen to it on and off these days. But, like, even them, it's like I feel like, you know, you're an Xbox podcast, but they rarely ever talk about a lot of these smaller Xbox exclusive games. They're always talking about the big ones or third-party games. And I just think these games deserve a little more. Maybe they weren't great games, but maybe they deserve at least a little more air. So, you think about games like, like the first launch exclusive for the Xbox, which was, of course, Rise, Son of Rome. Now, Rise of, of Rome is a game I've only ever played like the first 4 hours of. I actually gave up on it. The gameplay on that game is super fucking solid, but the story is super throwaway and overall the game is like a it's like a big meh. It's not a bad game. It's not a good game. It's just meh. And that one's like, okay, I feel like people kind of remember that one just because it was a launch game. So maybe it's in there with like The Killzone Shadowfall era of games where it's like even though it didn't make a massive name for itself and, and leave an awesome legacy behind, people remember it just because when a console's new, there are very few games you know, for it, so people just buy what's available, and Rise, Son of Rome kind of fell in that category. It wasn't really until, you know, we got Titanfall the, the following March that Xbox got, like, a big, good exclusive, but I, I guess a better way to start this conversation would be to mention, I've been playing ReCore this week. Right now, I'm at the very end of the game. I'm, I'm at, like, the last boss, basically, and then I got called back to work, so that, that's been put on hold until this weekend, but I'm planning on finishing it up this weekend, and, and here are my quick thoughts on ReCore. Recore is actually a really solid game. If you look at its Metacritic score, it's somewhere, it tapers off somewhere in the 60s. And I kind of agree with that score. I think the gameplay is really solid. It feels like an early PS3, Xbox 360 game or like a ps2 game in terms of it's like in terms of it's like mechanics and just the kind of game it is i, I don't know what i was expecting but i wasn't expecting the game to be this i, I started recore about a year or two ago I, I played like the first hour of it and then i i just got distracted and didn't come back so this week i, I restarted it i, I deleted my save name i started from the beginning and i was like i'm gonna give this game a really fair shake and honestly for the first hour or two i was like nah the game the game has a really throwaway story it doesn't matter but the gameplay is pretty fun, and I think the world is kind of interesting, although the enemy types are a little boring, and your little robot uh, buddies that you use in the game are a little uninspired design-wise, too. Actually, I don't like the characters. There's a, there's a lot of things I don't like about the game, but um, it reminds me a lot of a game I did love from 2018, Starlink Battle for Atlas, which I mentioned at the top of the show. It's one of those games where it's like, this game was better than people gave it credit for, and while the game itself wasn't perfect, I think what it suffers from is just being a little dated. I really lament. And I've mentioned on the show before, you know, I lament those like Disney games that are like movie tie-ins and just those THQ kind of double a games. Like, you know, I guess something like destroy all humans, these games are like action games or platformer games. And they were either tie-ins to like big movies coming out, or they were like kid to teen games. And they're just, you know, they're like, games where you have it's like third person you get guns you blast stuff you jump there's some platforming the characters or whatever the story is whatever but just these kinds of games that were you know just games they weren't they weren't groundbreaking but they weren't little indie darlings they were just these fun games and record kind of falls in that category for me and i think it was a really special game that kind of flew a little under the radar and I think a game can be flawed. A game can be a five out of f- a five out of ten, a six out of ten, and it can be a pretty solid game that's still worth your time. And that's kind of where I am with Recore. First of all, I think this game could have done a lot better if they had just marketed it a little differently. They really harped on the the fact that they had the the Mega Man Mighty Number no. Nine developer producing the game and they had two dev teams. They had his dev t- dev team, um, the team behind Mighty Number no. Nine working on it. And then they had some a team of ex-Metroid Prime developers working on it. And so they tried to really harp on that to sell the game. But I think they while, you know, those are selling points and they should be mentioned, they should have really focused on giving the game more of like a cartoony or artful, uh, colorful and fun art style. I think if they did something like that, kind of like what Starlink Battle for Atlas did, it could have gone a lot better because the game kind of looks like it has a more serious tone and vibe than it should because the story is really, you know, whatever, like Saturday morning cartoon and and like there's no real weight to what's happening and just kind of feels like whatever, you know, it's just so simple. It's just simple, easy plot. The girl's like looking for her dad and trying to restore peace to this world, but all the writing is really like whatever and it's just... You know, it's, it's a game that, like, a 10-year-old can wrap their brain around and have a good time with, and that's not a bad thing by any means, but I think the game's art style is in contrast with the game's tone and gameplay itself, and I think if they'd gone for a more, like, visually artistic in style, something like what Starlink Battle for Atlas did, with, for those who don't remember, Starlink Battle for Atlas kind of had, like like, a No Man's Sky meets Fortnite kind of aesthetic to it. And I think it really worked for that game. The characters were like cartoony and three D animated, but um, the world was very like colorful and had that like that look of of um, of No Man's Sky, which really worked in that game's favor. Now that game totally bombed as well, but I think that was more due to the fact that it was too little, too late. The toy select genre had. Had long been gone. Had that game come out around the heyday of like Disney Infinity and 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 Skylanders, it maybe could have done a lot better than it did. But I think I think Recore really could have benefited from marketing the game more towards like that that like ten to fourteen demographic. And and doing a more cartoony art style. But instead, they marketed it's like the hardcore gamers, and they were like, hey, this is the guys behind Mega Man and Metroid Prime, and they're making this game, don't you want it? And it's like I feel like people were really hyped on this game during that initial reveal trailer, but then once we saw what the game really was, I was like, Eh, the game is rough. It's like it's visually, it's not beautiful, and the graphics are like just okay. And like I said, the art's kind of uninspired. But there are moments in the game where it's like, oh, that feels very Metroid Prime. Or like, oh, that feels very like like, I don't know. It it just kind of feels like it's made by the people it's made by. But it feels like, not to insult anyone who worked on the game, because again, I like Record, but it feels like the B or the C team. Yeah, maybe like the C or the D team at at Retro Studios, the team behind Metroid Prime are the guys that made this game rather than like the B or the A team. You know? It feels like, you know, all mighty number nine, a game that is notoriously, you know, awful. Um, the worst people that had their hands on that game were the guys who made this game. And it's not to say it's an awful game, it's just to say it's like it's kind of embarrassing when you're touting all this talent that's behind your game, and then your game's kind of weak or uninspired or nothing groundbreaking. And that's the thing about this game, is it's like it's not bad. There are some random difficulty spikes and some stupid like design choices. I think the open world part's a little obtuse and sometimes it's easy to get lost. And I do have my frustrations and gripes with the game itself, but I'm really into it. Like it's 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 a Jesse game through and through. It's it's a game where you collect stuff, you platform, you fight enemies, you go through kind of narrow levels or some light puzzle solving. It's very fun. It's the kind of game I would have been very into back in, like, the Xbox GameCube era. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like this game didn't deserve to get so flown under the radar. Not not that I've done a lot of justice to it by kind of shitting on it and having my middling thoughts. But I, I, I applaud Xbox for, you know... Publishing this game and and letting it be a thing. Same thing with Super Lucky's Tale, which I talked about weeks ago when I played that, you know, it's just a very run of the mill 3D platformer. It's nothing groundbreaking, but I applaud Microsoft for making that a thing and for publishing it because I think the world really needs these kinds of games. I think these games totally have a place and it's really refreshing to get to play something like that. If anything, you know, after a couple hours once I got acclimated to the game, my my thought was this is such a nice palate cleanser from Red Dead Redemption 2 because it's just so the opposite of Red Dead is. It's it's short, it's sweet, it's not too serious, it's very video gamey, it's not very cinematic. It's just about, you know, collecting, shooting, platforming. It's not about cowboys trying to, you know, survive and make out make out like bandits in this uh in this ever evolving world where outlaws are thing of the past and they're facing you know the 20th century and in industrialism and everything it's not it's not that kind of game it's it's just a really lighthearted kids game and I, I really lament that these games are no more and this game also i mean this game also had hands from asobo studios who worked on a lot of like those disney movie tying games and you feel that sometimes sometimes it feels like you're playing like pixar's brave or toy story or some shit like that you know and I just think that it's really sad that Microsoft kind of gave these kinds of developers a chance to bring a game like that out, this AA tier, this $30, $40 game, this game that's not going to blow your mind, but it's going to entertain you for a weekend kind of game, and audiences were just like, nah, and that's sad because that means Xbox is that more (laughs) unlikely to Greenlight another game like this, or fund another game like this, or publish another game like this, and it really just leaves us down to the THQ Nordics of the world to really allow us to have more experiences like this, and I I just think that's a real big loss because. You know, after I beat Red Dead Redemption 2, I still had a couple days off work, and I was more than eager to jump into another game, and originally I was going to do Ori in the Blind Forest. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go through Blind Forest and Will the Wisp immediately. And I'm glad I didn't, because I wouldn't have time to beat them both now that I'm back at work. But I, I ultimately decided against that, because I'm like, you know what? People talk about how visually stunning these games are and how emotionally appealing the, the story beats are, and, and you know, the Ori games are really well regarded, and, I, and I'm excited about trying to give him another chance but I didn't want to deal with too much of the backtracking and the and the grueling platforming and the constant death and all that I was like that doesn't sound fun at all right now I I want something that's light and easy and Recore is light and easy and there just aren't many games that are like that anymore I feel like my like without games like Recore without games like Super Lucky Tail you know, without some of these smaller Xbox exclusives, they're just, my options are limited to like, okay, what massive big AAA game do I want to get to next? Or what tiny little indie darling that's all about grueling platforming or shooting or Dark Souls or whatever the hell people do these days, do I have at my disposal? And I don't want to play that kind of game next. I want to play something light and easy like ReCore. And I'm really glad I had that. And so I just think, I don't know, I think that game didn't get enough respect. I think it serves maybe it is a game of a different era and maybe today's market just doesn't want it. I mean, clearly today's market doesn't want it. That's why games like Record don't sell well. That's why games like Record don't get attention is because today's market says, hey, I only want Animal Crossing and Doom and The Witcher 3 and all these other games I don't give a shit about. And I don't want, you know, fun, easy, light games. And that's that's fine. I mean, industries have to evolve and the market dictates, you know, what's, what's in, what's out. But it just makes me sad that, in an era where we've seen the 8-bit and the 16-bit games return and make such a great comeback and have this timeless appeal, we still have yet to see, like, the N64, PS2 era, like, 3D platformers and action games kind of make their proper comeback. And I'm starting to wonder if, yeah, maybe the time's just not right, but also maybe um, maybe these games were never, you know, timeless enough to really make a lasting impact After their respective era, you know, maybe Jack and Daxter, maybe Sony was right, you know, to have to or Naughty Dog was right to move on to Uncharted and never go back to Jack and Daxter because they saw the writing on the wall. They must have known, you know, Jack and Daxter. It's a great game in 2003, but this is not the kind of game that people are going to want to play in 2015, 2020, 2025, whatever. And so they evolved along with the industry, but developers and and, and who make games like ReCore and stuff, they um, they're still trying to breathe some life into these kinds of games, which I I miss. And I don't know, this, this topic didn't end up really being what I thought it was. I thought we were going to talk more about in particular, like varying Xbox exclusives. That's why I brought up quantum break. I wanted to get more into that, but, uh, I guess I I got more into my, my same old tirade about this kind of tier of gaming just disappearing, but nonetheless, you know, aside from that, I feel like there are a handful of Xbox exclusives. I'm probably missing some. I I should have made a more robust list, but there are a handful of Xbox exclusives that are kind of in this boat. Um, this generation. And, and that is the one thing I really enjoy about Xbox is that, you know, even though a game like Bleeding Edge comes out and I'm like, meh, I'm not, Bleeding Edge isn't my thing. It's nice to know that Xbox has such a variety of games that it's like, wow, I don't have to play the third-person action online hero brawler game, but maybe I like the first-person sci-fi shooter. Maybe I like the third-person over-the-shoulder shooter, and maybe I like the time-traveling third-person action narrative game, but I'm not too crazy about the 2D Metroidvania game or the or the game that is like Disney animation hand-drawn super difficult boss battling game or you know it's just there's so much variety in the Xbox lineup these days and it's such a shame that when you scope out and you look at kind of the optics and the conversation surrounding Xbox's lineup it's like it's still just people being like oh Xbox doesn't have any games it's just forza and halo it's like no it's really not dude did you play quantum break did you did you play Ori and the blind forest did you play cuphead did you play record did you play any of these games that are also vastly different and these are all games that came out before microsoft went on a shopping spree and bought all these new developers and so yeah not every game is going to be horizon zero dawn god of war uncharted 4 the last of us part 2 but but here's one thing all those games have in common that that or here's one advantage all those games have over those Sony first-party exclusives, which is that they're all different. They all offer a different flavor of game. Fucking uh, State of Decay, State of Decay 2. Again, another game where it's like, I played a couple hours of State of Decay 2, wanted to like it, I wasn't super into the resource management, it made me too stressed out, so I stopped playing, but I think there are a lot of mechanics in that game I did like, there are a lot of things to like about that game, and I think there are probably a lot of things fans of the series do love about that game. There's a reason why it got a sequel, there's a reason why that franchise exists, and... It's just awesome to know that's like I don't have to be into it, but it's so cool that Xbox is catering to more markets, you know, that open world zombie survival resource management game as opposed to just another shooter, another whatever, you know? And this isn't to shit on Sony and, and try to give Xbox more credit than than they do, but it's like, you know, maybe Xbox isn't releasing Everything is a 9 out of 10, a 10 out of 10, and everything is a, is a a Marvel that's pushing the medium forward, but it's like, at least they have something for everyone, and that's something I really think Xbox doesn't get enough credit for, and if anything, Xbox is about to get – if anything, Xbox has doubled down on this, because when you look at the slew of studios they've just acquired as we head into the Series X generation um, – we're only going to get more variety in, in games because all these developers they bought make vastly different products. We've got everything from top-down <laughs> like strategy games to you know third-person third-person platform games to shooters to third-person narrative games. We've just got everything in the wheelhouse now with the with the slew of of studios that Xbox now owns. So there's a lot to look forward to in the future, but. I hope that, you know, the um, the kind of commercial failure of games like ReCore, of games like Super Lucky's Tale doesn't, you know, spell trouble for Xbox's future involvement in games of that caliber, in games of that kind of genre, because I really do love that whole $30 kind of middleware, middle-of-the-road kind of kind of um, game, and I, I, I just lament that there isn't more of it, and that it doesn't do as well these days, so sorry for, like, the, the weird kind of introduction into that conversation i thought like i said i thought we were going to get more into games like quantum break but as as i as i discussed more i i realized that conversation was more so focused around the specific type of game like recore and if you haven't played recore by all means give it a try obviously it's on game pass it's an xbox first party so or it's an xbox exclusive so obviously it's on game pass and let me know if you have played it let me know what you think about it i mean the game's obviously far from perfect like i said i agree with that six or 6.5 out of 10 kind of range of score for the game although i think there's still a lot to love about it and i think it's definitely worth your time The the gunplay is super fun. All the little mechanics of the different robots and kind of ways you combine all their special abilities with traversing the landscape and puzzle solving. I think it's really fun. It's never too difficult with the puzzle solving is never too difficult. It's always like just smart enough. And while there are some design flaws, like, again, the open world being really obtuse and being random difficulty spikes with certain boss fights. uh, I think the game is a pretty solid game. And I definitely think it's worth your time if you if you've ever been into the games of that kind of genre, that kind of um, ilk. So definitely check that out. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, And thank you for letting me rant a bit about some of the lesser appreciated Xbox one exclusives of, you know, this generation Um, with that, we'll just wrap up the show with our new games and our games with gold information. So real quick, we got 17 new games coming to the Xbox this week. The first one is called freedom finger. So that's really suggestive, and I don't feel comfortable talking about what that means, but let me just say, there are a lot of people in quarantine right now, people have a lot of fingers, and when you are alone with the freedom of your fingers, you know what happens, so that's disgusting. But so hey, someone wanted to make a game about it and more power to them. Uh, our next game is called Moons of Madness, but I think the developers made a severe mistake because judging by the screenshot, you're not on the moon, you're in like an underground t- cave or something, so these fucking idiots don't know what a moon is. Um, But maybe that's why it's called Madness. It's because the developers are fucking mad, as the British would say. They've gone mad. And uh, they, they are in these tunnels digging around... Thinking that they're in the moon, but Moons of Madness is definitely a game I recommend because according to the first five uh, words in the description, it is a first-person story-driven cosmic, so I I do love cosmic brownies, I do love first-person, and I do love story-driven, so I'm going to recommend that game to you, but... Do not buy it expecting to be on the moon because it's definitely not on the moon. It's definitely, definitely a misnomer. Our next game here is called Bleeding Edge, which who the fuck knows what that could be. It is a game with a girl. She's very strong. She's very independent. She's flawless. She's wearing a construction hard hat with a little anime kitty on it, and she has a big turret gun, which probably means it's a game. It's a game about uh, deviant art or something like that. It's a game about. It's a game about fluid sexuality. Um, but the good thing about this game is you can play it anywhere and it is Xbox game Pass slash Xbox one x enhanced. so there are a lot of there are a lot of enhancements you can get to this girl. perhaps you can give her a proper haircut in a bath and put her in some normal people clothes and take that gun out of her hands and teach her that violence isn't always the answer. So bleeding bleeding edge it's, it's out. Our next game is called Element space. this looks like a game where you're in an office environment shooting at people. I assume this is why people are working from home now is because, all the coronavirus has has devolved their society to a point where people are now in work environments just taking cover behind cubicles and shooting the the hell out of each other. So, for the safety of our employees slash the uh, desire to not want to be sued, we have we have uh, now yeah I don't I don't know I guess this is this is, looks like a game where you literally just take cover behind work desks and and shoot at your coworkers. So that's some. That's some, like, Columbine shit right there. So I definitely don't recommend that game. Our next game is called yu gi Legacy of Duelists. Link of Evolution. This is a game about playing cards. So if you're a fucking loser who has no one in your life to play with, and you have to play card games and board games, and you're a fucking nerd, and you can't even find one person to play those games with, and you have to resort to playing card games, this is the game for you because even though you have no friends in real life to play your card games with you can at least play with the uh with the um npc with the computer with the com with the com and you can play ugo let's see i'll just read from the screen here the screenshot there's a card it says the card says salaman great violet Chimera, uh and then its stats say uh monster plus one link monster in in this card fusion summoned you can make this card gain attack equivalent Half combined original attack of the used materials to summon it. Let me let me just say this: If you're right here saying, "Oh, Jesse, this is boring as shit," why are you reading this to me? I'm just trying to make a case for this game. I'm not boring. I'm reading to you what what's on the screen. If 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 you think this is boring, don't blame me. Blame Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of Duelists because they're the fucking idiots who thought people would want to play this shit. So. Don't take it out on me if this sounds boring. That's the game. That's the fucking game. Our next game is called War Tiles. So these are the tiles of war. This is kind of a tribute. I guess it's like a museum tribute to like like the different um, turfs and, and surfaces that wars have been fought over. Whether that be dirt or gravel. I think a lot of wars these days are fought on turf. Uh, just because people want to protect... You know, the grounds. War is really bad for the environment. I don't know if you know this or not, because while, yes, of course, you know, dead bodies on the ground very nutritious for the grass and the plants uh, as they decompose what's not good for the ground is the is or the outfits or the guns the lead from the bullets that also get left on the ground so most wars these days are actually fought on turf it's more comfortable while of course you know we want to kill the opposing team we don't want any of our soldiers to feel a level of discomfort so we put them on on turf So this is called War Tile. It's a game where you pick your squad and you move them to different tiles. You find the appropriate comfort position for them to attack before they go to war. And uh, yeah, so if you're a big fan of, you know, like ceramic or what, what do people do? Uh, bamboo, wood floors, turfs, cement, just whatever kind of surfaces or tiles or or places you like to stand, lean, crawl on when you are in war. This game is like just a fucking love letter simulator to people like you. Next game is called Deep Sky Derelicts, Definitive Edition. So basically what that insinuates is that Deep Sky Derelicts was once so popular that they made a definitive edition of it. Um, But the funny thing is, I've never heard of that, so... It looks like Fallout meets it looks like Fallout meets Yu-Gi-Oh. So if you like card battling, but you also like living in a vault because you have no friends, then this is the perfect game for you. Our next game is called Duck Souls Plus. It's like Dark Souls, but instead of playing Dark Souls, you get to play as a duck, which infinitely or which instantly makes it significantly better than Dark Souls. But what brings it down to the same level of lame as Dark Souls is that it is like it's like four bit. It's not even eight bit. It's like half bit. It's so ugly looking, but you play as a duck, so that's a pretty cute thing um our next game here is called rfl enhanced edition which is this anime weeb shit and they i'm not even making this up they're literally fighting a giant octopus so probably hentai that is actual porn on your xbox next game is called borderlands 3 guns love and tentacles which also has octopus tentacles so this is probably an american take on hentai so that's disgusting as well so plenty of options for you pervy fucks this week to play some play some porn uh, Mikoroma, Mikorama is a uh, Captain Toad treasure tracker knockoff which is out now and then Bears Can't Drift this is the only game I'm going to recommend this week I'm not even going to say anything mean about it this is just fucking adorable it looks like a kart racer you play as a little bear in a cart, and they're driving and I'm actually probably going to drive or as long as this game is a reasonable price I'm actually probably going to download this so that's actually really adorable let me, let me open a different tab so I can see actually let's just see right now let's see right now it is it is $11.99. It's $11.99. I'm probably going to buy this game. Bears Can't Drift. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm definitely going to download that game this weekend. Uh, next game here is called Bite the Bullet, which is a game. It's like Contra. It's like Restart. It's like all those games you remember from the Sega Genesis. You can shoot with a gun. You can platform in a tree. Um, but what I find really interesting about this is it's just random lemon. There's this random lemon that's floating, and he has like an like an angry face and just big muscles sticking out. So, this is a game about fighting citrus. It's about how you know sometimes citrus has citrus is very acidic. It has a kind of pungent taste or smell to it. It's just kind of it's intense. It's a sour, crazy intense flavor. And I guess if you were going to personify that, you would you would make a muscular lemon. So this is basically a game about killing all the citrus. Um, which I guess is an analogy for when you go to the grocery store these days, and just all the random shit is missing, like all the citrus. I went to I went to the grocery store the other day to buy some to buy some toilet paper, to buy some bread, to buy some essentials, and they were out of lemons. This is a game about finding all the lemons. Next game is called Gigantosaurus the game. This is, it looks like a 3D little platformer action game. This looks like basically everything I was just complaining about doesn't exist anymore. So that's cute. I'll have to look into that. Maybe that's maybe that's something I can buy. That is. A $40 game, so I probably won't be buying that because I don't. We're all about to lose our jobs and we don't have money. So probably don't buy Gigantosaurus. Just go ahead and let Outright Games LTD, the developer behind the game, just fall into oblivion and, and fail because now we're all fired from our jobs. The coronavirus is made the unemployment rate soar our next game here is called one piece pirate warrior four it is animated so it's anime is japanese so we will skip over it next game is called enops e- it looks like uh, one of those psp games or or lemmings games or something like that next game here is called children of zodiacs It is another tile based game except this time the tiles extend to the dinner table so these men are literally standing on a giant table with a massive thanksgiving turkey i don't know why they're doing that but they also look a little bit anime so that's probably why they're being idiots like that and that's going to do it for our new games this week as a reminder for games of gold we got Batman: the enemy within for the rest of this month these last few remaining days shantae half genie hero you got that until april 15th so download it at your leisure castlevania lords of shadows nah you missed it dumb bitch that was gone on march 15th and then sonic generations which is available until the 31st for the last time you get six days five days whatever if you have not downloaded Sign generations you are going to hell you are the sole cause of coronavirus you are an awful person kill yourself Sign generations play it now do not kill yourself i don't we don't say it anymore Sign generations is such a good game please download this game you gotta you gotta go fast it's gonna go fast it's such a good game and when you get to the planet wisp level just just start the level and then don't move the controller just listen to the music because it's so so good and then that is gonna do it for this week's episode now you guys know. Usually I wrap up every episode. I thank you. I tell you stay safe. I tell you not to touch your face because obviously shit's bad right now. All joking aside, if you if you have been affected by the uh, the economic out the economic downfall as a result of coronavirus, you know my thoughts are out there for you. I, I know it's a shit time right now, so I, I do apologize, and I just want to leave you with my thoughts, my consideration. Um, you know the important thing about a show like this is even though sometimes it's kind of hit or miss on how entertaining it can be from my perspective, it is a podcast about coming together talking about a thing that presumably all of you listening love, which is Xbox and just kind of sharing what an awesome, what an awesome world we live in that, you know, we can, we can have Xbox and come home from work or turn off the news or the social media and just slip into Red Dead Redemption 2 or ReCore or whatever and play, play some video games and forget about all the minutia and the bullshit and just have some fun and i do appreciate you listening i know these are kind of weird times shit's been weird and a lot of people are stuck at home a lot of people are stuck at work when they really need to be home and a lot of uh politicians are being fucking dumbasses right now as per usual so we're all kind of just in this weird stasis mode right now um and if your job has been affected if you if if your life's been affected for the worst if someone you know or love has been affected by this virus you know just thoughts going out to you right now um Thank you, as always, for listening. And remember, guys, I know I always, I always give you a fake social media following. Every time I say follow me on Twitter or follow me on whatever, I always give you. I try to be funny. I try to tell you something stupid. I don't tell you what my true social media handle is, so you can't really follow me. But I, I figured, you know, this week we're gonna do something a little different. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you my true Twitter handle. So you guys get ready, guys, because when you're done here, you can get on twitter.com and you can follow me at. Live wire advantage microphone cable. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Go fuck yourselves, and we'll see you next week.